Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CIO Talk Network. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And as always, we do invite you to join the discussion on Twitter and look for this show as hashtag leadership. So today's topic is developing leadership as an organizational capability. And we have Jim Kozis, who's the co-author of the Leadership Challenge. And he's the Dean's Executive Fellow of Leadership, Levy School of Business, Santa Clara University. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, Sanjay. Thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity to chat with you and your listeners. Thank you once again. So the reason we wanted to uh, pick this topic and invited you is because we have always spoken a whole lot about leadership. And of course, at different levels, whether what an individual leader should do to become better, and at the same time, see how the organizations uh, help that leader to become better. So now all that as a, as a snapshot is good. And of course, we can continue to learn. But when we look at an organization, when it looks at supply chain, it says, okay, that's critical to us we should develop it, and then they make a kind of center of excellence. Similarly, when we are looking today, while there are many other competitive, like you could say, areas in which we can get competitive advantage, how about leadership? Because that's one thing which, of course, a company could make or break a company and also take it to the next level. So we thought, why not look at this as an exploratory topic and see if there is something being done in that regard where we develop leadership as an organizational capability. Is that a very foreign idea? Can we do it? What has been tried? What's worked? What's not worked? So that said, what do you think when it comes to thinking about this as an organizational capability that is leadership? Well, thank you for that question. Uh, Perhaps the best way to answer the question is with a question. And uh, so as we think about, is it in the interest, best interest of an organization to develop leadership capability, and you take a look at the evidence, if you want to have over a 10-year period, say, 841% uh, net income growth compared to a negative 49% net income growth, would you make that investment? And Sanjog, this is your area of expertise. Is that an investment you think would be wise to make? Sure. Sure, it would be. And if you were going to get those kind of returns, then one of the things you'd invest in would be leadership development. A study by Richard Raw, a colleague of ours, uh, studied organizations over a 10-year period looking at those that exhibit strong leadership capability and weak leadership capability and that was one of the results he found. He also found that the stock price growth for those with strong leadership practices was 204% compared to 76% for weak leadership capability. So the evidence is out there that it's a wise investment for organizations to make. Uh, and the, in developing a culture of leadership in, in the context in which leadership is valued and developed, there's there's just a lot of evidence that higher performance in the workplace and marketplace uh, exists when you have exemplary leadership practices. And that's true for some of the best brands in the world, from General Electric, IBM, Procter & Gamble, uh, to other companies like that who, in, 
make strong investments in leadership development. So, so of course, you know, on the surface and also, as you mentioned, the data also supports it. Now, the examples that you give are already um, successful companies. And hindsight 2020, we look at that those organizations to say it makes a wise investment. But when we look at the overall portfolio of investment that an organization would make, you mentioned that leadership is one of it. So, but in many cases, we see that takes that 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 gets the smallest sliver of the investment or in some cases starts getting squeezed because of something else pops up. And it's not mm-hmm. that it's it's not being invested in at all, but it converts from a formal practice like you would have done with supply chain or, or governance or any other area which may be an advantage to becoming more of a lip service or maybe becoming a more informal or need-based. But that's where you start getting um, diminishing returns as you start walking away or focusing away from it or not putting as much focus as it deserves. So what do you uh, think is preventing people from staying on that course no matter what? Because it is a source of competitive advantage, as you said. Yeah, it is a source of competitive advantage. And, and, and one of the tests, Sanjog, of whether or not a company is serious about leadership de- uh, development over the long term, as the organizations I mentioned have demonstrated they are, Leadership investments are not impacted by financial performance, uh, or less impacted, I should say, uh, according to a study uh, that was done by A.N. Hewitt on top companies for leaders. 92% of companies uh, that are best companies for leaders do not cut back to the extent that other low-performing companies do uh, in leadership development investment when times are tough, 92% compared to 68%. Uh, and leaders are held accountable in those organizations for the strength of their leadership pipelines in a similar percentage. So uh, one of the tests then of whether a company has a culture for leadership is when it comes to a crisis point, when it comes to a, a critical juncture and the financial performance isn't what we'd like it to be, do they cut back on leadership development or do they not? And those companies that are best for leaders uh, cut back a lower percentage uh, than do organizations which are, are, are not good cultures for leadership. When we look at leadership in general, well, I mean, of course, the, the natural connotation is the top leadership. If you did not say anything, it's almost like a, a qualifier that we are talking about top leadership. But when we are looking at leadership as an organizational capability, it should not be privileged. And that means you should have leadership maybe at middle level or even at the, the field staff so that they could demonstrate leadership without having the title. So when we are talking about building capability, are we keeping that in mind or is it for the oh, ivory tower? Uh, leadership development is everyone's business, and leadership is everyone's business. Interestingly, Sanjog, in our research, we ask people to identify their most important leadership role model in their lives. Uh, And uh, who would you guess is at the top of that list for the majority of people, whether they're under 30 or over 30? If I were to ask you, who's your most important leader role model, who might be at the top of your list? It would be over 30. And, and what we find is that if you're over 30 or under 30, the number one source of your leadership role model is a family member. And for those under 30, the second category is teacher or coach, and the third category is community leader. For those who are over 30 and working professionals, it's family member first, followed by a business leader, followed by a teacher or coach. In other words, what the data, what the data tell us 
is that when people look for leadership, they look first and foremost locally, those who are close to them. It might have been a, a brother, sister, mother, father, uh, aunt or uncle who exhibited leadership that met, made that person a role model. And at work, if they're in, work, in, in the workplace, it might have been an immediate supervisor. In fact, immediate supervisors are mentioned more frequently than senior executives as their leader role model. So the message is, and the best companies for leaders get this, is that we need to develop leadership at all levels. When I am a new employee in an organization, excuse me, in an organization, and I uh, and I have an encounter with a with a first line supervisor. That encounter, as a young young working professional, is going to impact me and shape my view of leadership in the organization. So we need those those experiences of those entry level employees to be positive in the organization. That's why they invest in developing first-line supervisors. But you're absolutely right. The average age at which people get their first leadership development experience, unfortunately, is about 42 years of age, which is at least 10 years after they start supervising other people. So the majority of companies don't make that level of investment, and they pay the price for it. So in, you, in, in your experience, when you're looking at these different levels, right? So, so you mentioned under 30 would look at it differently. Now, what we have also heard is, at least it's it's not it's a saying almost or some someone quoted was quoted on this is when someone is a good leader that person oh. is not just focusing on results but also the competencies and skills and experience that they are able to develop for the people who they brought with them that the latter is a truer uh, a more maybe it is not quantified as much, but they say that's a better measure of a uh, of a leader versus someone who just went ahead and and pleased the sh- uh, shareholders, for example. Mm-hmm. So is well, is what what kind of leadership are we hoping to develop? Because if everyone is supposed to be pleasing the analysts on the call, then get you know God bless all the other employees who are supposed to be developing this, and eventually it's going to be a spiraling down effect because you're not developing the people in the process. Uh, you're absolutely right. So if we look at le- leadership as a relationship, it's a relationship between those who aspire to lead and those who choose to follow. Fundamentally, leadership is a relationship between that, that person we call a leader and, and their constituents. So we need to look at the quality of that relationship in, in order to determine the quality of leadership. If constituents, employees in, 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 in some instances, or people who are volunteers in outside of the workplace or in the community or people at school uh, who are working with a coach or even a student leader, what is their experience with that person emotionally? What, it, what is their engagement with the organization? And those are the kinds of measures uh, that, that typically are used when you're talking about uh, workplace engagement, trust in each other, trust in the team, trust in the organization, trust in management. When you're looking at commitment to uh, to put in a discretionary effort when, when you're looking at the extent to which people feel like there's meaning to their work. All of those measures are important measures when looking at the quality of leadership. We have, uh, of course, spoken to many leaders, and, and as the times are changing in this new day and age, uh, while, yes, you have to deliver what is expected by the customers, but I think the way the customers are choosing the providers, no matter how big or influential the organization is, is if there is consistent experience 
unified experience, something which is what is whatever is being done is outcome based, where they always feel they're being taken care of. And here I'm not talking only about customer, which is external, who we are selling, where we are getting the revenue from, but also the organizational own employees and partners and other stakeholders who need that experience. So while all of that you could say that it is part of management, but till we don't lead people to think like that, really a person who is talking to an end customer on the phone or chatting through instant message will not be motivated or will not have any incentive to deliver that consistent experience or work towards that outcome. So that to some extent it looks like is connected to leadership. So then when we are seeing organizational capability being developed in leadership, are we looking at that or we are just talking emotional intelligence and social intelligence and other things, which, yes, have a, an impact, but it doesn't really directly connect to what an end field operator is going to do instant message with a customer. But before you get to it, please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Jim, when we are looking at the leadership versus management, and I did pose the question before we went in, but primarily if I want that field operator who is working with the end customer, maybe an internal customer, and if that person has to really be focused on what's the outcome we are working towards and what's the experience that, that we are delivering, while it could be a function of management, but perhaps it has to roll back up to the leadership. So when we say we want to build leadership as an organizational capability. How do we incorporate these things, which are essentially what we are all working towards? What you're talking about, Sanjog, is, is customer engagement, not just employee engagement. It is the relationship between customer engagement and leadership. So the, the, the real fundamental question is, do leaders matter? Do leaders make a difference? Does the performance of a leader impact the performance of a frontline employee who's talking to a customer on the other side of a counter or at the other end of the phone? Does, does the leadership make a difference in the day-to-day experiences that customers have? And the answer is absolutely yes. There is a strong relationship between leader behavior and all of these outcome measures than any other variable we measure, whether it's strategy, whether it's structure, in fact, if you look at nine demographic variables that we look at combined, whether it's the type of organization, the background of the leader, the education of the leader, the uh, function of the leader, the type of industry people come from, the nationality, if you combine all those demographic variables and you look at their impact 
on engagement. It is under 1% to 3%, depending upon the region of the world, whereas leadership impact on that is anywhere between 37% and 55%. Leaders have more impact on day-to-day behavior of employees than any other factor in business. So, yes, so based on what the data that you provided, it makes sense. Now, the organizations, the way they are currently developing leaders, are they really looking at those areas, or would you say that is going to be an automatic byproduct if we took care of their EQ and IQ and SQ, and all of that would would fall into place? Well, the, the kind of leadership development that takes place in organizations that we look at it two ways. One is how they provide it, and the other is what is the content of it. And in our research, we find there's essentially five fundamental practices of exemplary leadership. Uh, and, and most organizations will engage in leadership development that includes most of those practices. About 80% across the board tend to have similar kinds of things they focus on in the companies, the best companies to, for leaders. They look at the extent to which leaders are clear about their values and beliefs and set a good example based on their beliefs. We call it model the way. They inspire a shared vision. They, they, they envision the future and then they enlist others in it. So they make sure people are aware of the direction the organization is headed. We call it strategy, uh, call it long-term direction, but the vision of the organization, they, they, they make sure people are aware of their part in that. They uh, challenge the process. They, they search for opportunities to grow, innovate, and improve, and they, they uh, experiment and take risks and learn from mis- those mistakes. That's where innovation falls. They, uh, they foster collaboration, and, and they strengthen others. Uh, they, they enable them to act, and they encourage the heart. They, they recognize and reward appropriate behavior, uh, and they celebrate as a group the successes that they have. Those, those kinds of practices are fundamental to any leadership development program. So those, those, those are the, the competencies organizations tend to focus on. And across the board, if you look across all kinds of organizations, you know, 80% of that plus is done in organizations that develop exemplary leaders. How uh, companies go about that. There's fat classroom training, mo- coaching, mentoring, assessment and feedback, exposure to exemplary role models, cross-functional projects, action learning projects, those kinds of things. I think the important message here, Sanjog, is that, that, that uh, learning is the master skill. We find in our research that leaders who engage more frequently in learning are more effective as leaders. Now, that makes sense. Uh, when you think about it, uh, but many organizations still haven't gotten that message that learning is the master skill. We have to provide learning opportunities for leaders at all levels if we're going to become the exemplary organizations that we want to be. So would you attribute the, the gaps in, in the overall industry or across industry, the issues with making leadership as an organizational capability, which is the topic we are discussing, is in the how or what or the amount of sponsorship or investment. Where do you pinpoint the, the organizations we are not, who are not doing as well in this area or have not been able to, even they, if they want to, they have not been able to successfully deliver on this. Where are they? Um, what are the pitfalls or gotchas there? I think like any other kind of investment, Sanjog, the 
if we don't make a sufficient investment in in our supply chains or in in our new products or in our uh, in the diversity of our portfolios, we may be uh, behind the competition. And so, leadership development we know is one of those areas of investment uh, which will strengthen our organizational capabilities over the long term. And so, it's really a function of the seriousness of the investment. Uh, there's no hard and fixed dollar amount, that, but it needs to be uh, sufficient to develop the pipe, to keep the pipeline full uh, for an organization so that as leaders turn over, there's, uh, a, there are people in the pipeline to move into uh, those leadership roles in organizations. So if you are going and going to this next level of helping people develop, would you say we would want to start a certain area first or we say top down or is it like a boiling the ocean where you say, okay, I'm going to touch the whole organization at once and, and start developing wherever I can develop versus, you know, uh, biting as much as we can chew and, and have a plan, an incremental plan where we expand our footprint in terms of how we develop leaders across the organization? The, the, the best companies for leaders tend to develop their leaders starting at an early age. If you ask, uh, in, in recent poll uh, that we did, 86% of companies are concerned about their leadership pipeline. Where do you start filling that pipeline? Start filling that pipeline when, the pers- when, when people first arrive in the organization. Most companies believe leadership development should start no later than age 21, but as I said earlier, the average age is around 42. So most organizations aren't starting when they need to start. The best companies for leaders start at the ground level. They start when people first join the organization and move, are, are ready to move into that first supervisory role. And so the place to begin that investment is when people uh, are younger. Uh, we know from our other studies on learning leadership, our, our, the most recent book that we wrote, that individuals who start younger in learning leadership are going to be more effective when they arrive in the organization than those who start later. So we really ought to be beginning our leadership development seriously when, when uh, students enter college. And uh, many universities, uh, in cooperation with, with uh, corporations, are beginning to invest in leadership development at the collegiate level now. Now, if we look at the this new millennials, right? I mean, and this is a discussion among uh, the baby boomers and Gen Xers. Some of them look at them opportunity. A lot of them look at them as, you know, don't know what to do. And they are trying to wear the management hat to say, okay, how can we get this generation to understand what the business goal is? And also somehow balance that with what they want to do as individuals. Different people, different mindset. Maybe they also want to excel in whichever field they're going to work. Now, coming to the leadership, you will have the same people to be educated and to be mentored and be taken through the programs. Knowing that there is a difference in the level of exposure, the value system, the kind of way they want to communicate and the way they want to be communicated with and or be taught or mentored, are you thinking that we have to fundamentally take a step back, go to the drawing board, and 
look at how we will do things any differently so that they become the end product that you and I are looking to uh, basically get uh, to deliver most value. Well, it's, it's 50% of, of, of young people, millennial generation, want to become leaders in their organizations. And so there isn't any less drive among current okay. generation, millennial generation, to become a leaders. They want to become leaders. But they don't necessarily view organization in the same way that their parents did or their grandparents did. And part of that is a function of what happened as they were growing up. And with the recessions that they faced, the cutbacks, the downsizing of organizations, they saw that organizations weren't as loyal to them, to their parents, or to their grandparents, as they once were. And so they developed an attitude that I may not be in this organization forever. I, I may be moving on. And I, so if I'm going to have those opportunities to lead and opportunities to learn, I want them earlier than, I, than later. So they're, an organi- they're, they're a generation that is demanding more task variety, job variety, opportunities or at an earlier age than their parents might have. They're less patient and they're more independent. Uh, and consequently, organizations are going to have to adjust their development to that end and maybe look at leadership development uh, as, as a way to help recruit younger people to their organizations because they'll get opportunities earlier. So, yes, we're going to have to change some ways in which we develop leaders, but fundamentally, the practices of leadership have remained very stable over generations, and we predict 50 years from now there's still going to be the same fundamental practices, but we will have to adjust uh, how we develop leaders uh, using new technologies and the fact that people may not be with us as long. Uh, We're going to have to approach those issues with, with a slightly different mindset. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the intent of why we are developing these people as leaders. Is it limited to uh, the organization's interests and then we so-called customize the leadership development program so that it best connects with the values and other areas which where the organization would stand to benefit and that's how you develop? Or you want to become an organization which develops leaders and become uh, or kind of leave some sort of a legacy so wherever these people go, they excel. What should be the intent? Because everything that will follow will depend on that intent and whatever organization or that individual would benefit from. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. 
welcome back. So, uh, Jim, when we look at leadership, should an organization look at it to be an opportunity to get ahead by getting the top leaders developed in-house, like a custom software, if you will, if I were to compare, and, and say, okay, this is for me. This is going to be a competitive advantage, and, and all things that we do should be an investment and ROI for me versus for that person as a main focus. What is what is the best way of thinking about leadership development? Uh, should it be a legacy builder for you, or as an organization, or should it be custom? I think it's a both and, not an either or. Sanjog, if I take a look at say General Electric, which historically is one of the companies that has been known as a best company for leaders, a place where people will get leadership development. Uh, they have developed that as a part of their brand. Where do organizations turn when they want to recruit senior executives from the outside? GE is typically on their list. Why? Because they know that they've done an excellent job at GE of developing leaders. Should GE stop developing leaders because it's only interested in its own outcomes and doesn't want to be a talent pool for other organizations? No. They should not, because GE knows that it's to their benefit to do that in the long term. It knows that their reputation in the marketplace and with other organizations is strong for that reason. So that's the mindset of the best companies for leaders. They know that if they have a, a, are known as an organization, have a culture that is one that supports the development of leaders, that rewards the development of leaders, that nurtures the development of leaders, that they will benefit by recruiting the best people, they will retain them longer, and they will also, in the, in the larger marketplace, develop a reputation of being a strong company where other people want to do business and do work. So it's, it's, it's not an either-or, it's a both-and. It benefits you as an organization to be known as a, an organization that is a culture where people will develop their leadership capabilities, and it's also a legacy that you're leaving. So now, in all of this, and frankly, if you had not spoken about GE, I would have brought that up, because that's about the only company that I know which kind of has taken pride in it and actually benefited from it, but I've not seen many other followers. So in the whole wide world, only GE is the one which stands mighty tall, but why not others? Why are not other people... Other organizations following, is there, is there um, a problem or they don't see the benefit? Where, where, if there is an obvious benefit, as you are saying, then why not the rest of the world following the same pattern? Well, there are other organizations that do make strong investments in leadership that are recognized. They're not as well known as, as GE, but you know, IBM uh, is, is another organization, large organization. Uh, globally, the Hindustan Unilever Limited is another uh, the Hindustan Unilever uh, Limited is another one of those organizations. Procter & Gamble is also another one of those organizations. Companies like Intel as well have developed those kinds of cultures. They may not be as well-known, uh, but, but they're out there. Uh, and, you know, A.N. Hewitt, uh, among others, uh, Hay also does a similar study. CEO Magazine publishes this list. And there are, there are many organizations on that list that, uh, have a have strong cultures for leadership. You've already uh, mentioned quite a few. You had very ga- good data points that you had shared for many of the responses here. Now, there is something which people say of 
very, very frequently is that a, a leader, or otherwise a great leader who shows exemplary results in one organization, show less than stellar in other organizations that they join, and in some cases they fail. Now, what is suddenly gone wrong for this person who otherwise was developed to be a stellar leader who could be a Pied Piper getting everybody to follow and they go into another organization and they fail miserably. And of course, if you say organizational culture brought them down, guess what? They are the ones who were supposed to take and turn around the culture and do the same action replay that they did in the previous company, but it doesn't seem to be happening. So is there something beyond that leader uh, leadership development that we do today where they're just successful in our company and say, I'm going to make you 100% immune to any, uh, any other organizational context. culture or other you know, macro factor, macroeconomic or social factors that you may be dealing with. Go ahead. Con- context does matter. Context matters a lot. And so if, if somebody who's exemplary in one context that's supportive of leadership development, moves to another, kind of a a culture where leadership is is rewarded and recognizes, moves to a a culture where it's not, there are going to be challenges, difficulties. Uh, What you're describing, uh, I don't know if you're following basketball right now, but uh, I I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, so uh, we have our favorite team here, the Warriors. Uh, And if you take a player or a coach from the Warriors, and you move them to another team, will they, the question is, will they be as successful in that new environment? Will any player be as successful in another environment? It's a complex question, and, it, and, it, and it, it's dependent upon the team dynamics. It's dependent upon the level of, in, uh, of investment in leadership development. It's, it's, de- it's dependent upon uh, whether or not the organization has a, stra- a strategy that fits the competencies of the person that they bring in. Uh, so there, I, I don't know that there's one thing we can attribute it to, uh, but I think it's what you raise is an important question. If somebody is successful in one, one setting and not in another setting, does that make them an ineffective or bad leader? And uh, I, I think that those, those two things are not necessarily measured the same way. Uh, leadership effectiveness is really going back to leadership as a relationship is the extent to which that person develops the kind of engagement with their constituents that make that team of people work effectively together. Uh, and that's a better measure of leadership than a corporate performance. So if you, if you are looking at that, then where um, a, the person who is as a leader who's brought in into an organization and they fail, they say that leader is only as good as their last success. So what is what can we offer to the world so that there is some immunity? That yes, like everybody else, leaders are not so, superhuman, so they may fail as well, but then they're given the required chance by the same organizations or others. It, it, it goes back, I think, Sanjog, to, to, to the culture of leadership what, what we did some we, we did some research on what are the attributes of a strong culture of leadership, meaning one in which leadership development is supported over the long term, and and one of the things that we found is that in strong cultures of leadership there are four things that tend to exist. Uh, there's a lot. There's trust and respect among people at all levels. So I'm on a team where people 
have high degree of trust for each other and respect for each other. And there's not that kind of internecine conflict between people to get ahead. You know, if my, my, my victory is your loss, so I'm competing for you for that next job, but rather people act in ways that, that indicate trust and respect and, and cooperation and collaboration with each other. There are opportunities for learning and development that are, are diverse. It's not just a training program, but it's opportunities beyond the formal classroom, coaching, mentoring, uh, exposure to exemplary role models, cross-functional projects, action learning projects, those kinds of things, multiple opportunities for learning. There's support, to your point, for risk and failure so that when people fail, people don't look at it as an attribute of the person and you're, oh, we thought you were good, but you're not good, you failed here, but rather they step back and take a look at what can we learn from that particular experience so we don't repeat it. There's a tolerance for risk and failure. And then there are exemplary models available within the organization. So if I bring somebody who's an exemplary leader into a culture where there aren't other role models that that person uh, can learn from and can point to in the organization, then it will become more challenging to sustain that culture of leadership over the long term. You know, Luis Gutierrez is an agronomist at a, a friend of mine, Lenny Lin's coffee farm. <laughs> and uh, Luis, uh, when they plant new coffee plants, uh, talks about building a buena casa. Now, a buena casa, in his terms, is that kind of environment in which, over the long term, these coffee plants will, will, will produce uh, the, the kind of quality of coffee bean that uh, he will feel proud of and that the owner will feel proud of. And he said, you know, I could dig a shallow hole and just fill it up with dirt to plant something that will get me some kind of crop, but that's not going to build a Buena Casa. I need to dig a deep hole, and I need to fill that with the right nutrients for that plant to thrive over the long term. Many organizations analogously take uh, a, that, that shallow hole uh, approach to developing leaders. They don't really dig that deep buena casa that will allow it to thrive over the long term. And support and tolerance for risk and failure is one of those things that allows leader, people to experiment and learn from those failures that they have. Very interestingly, um, if you notice, we spoke about other attributes that the newer uh, organizations, they need to have specifically two that come to mind is agile and lean. And they mm-hmm. say that is going to be the only way an organization can survive in today's world is there where you fail small, fail fast, and that too also you move pretty fast and also cut wherever you don't need anything. What you mentioned about that Brenna Casa, the one where they is supposed to be digging a deeper hole so that a long period of time the quality improves, the agile and lean to some extent refute that logic. And so in a way it looks like our existence or our, our ability to be relevant is going to eat leadership for a breakfast, whereas you need both for you to exist and have sustained growth and profitability. So how can you eat the cake and have it too, which is to have that deeper hole being dug for the long haul and also at the same time be the agile and the lean organization, which will help you stay ahead and at least stay relevant. That will need a magic to pull 
But then definitely we should explore that when we come back, listeners. Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Jim, this is an interesting one where, on one hand, we want an organization to be moving at 100 miles an hour pace, should be agile, failing fast, failing small, and also be lean. On the other hand, you bring up that uh, very, very you know, good idea about that Brenna Casa. I'm, I'm going to remember that word, uh, where we dig a deeper hole. But who has the time, the budget, and the patience? Well, I think that goes back to the kind of culture you establish at the beginning as a growing organization. Are you going to establish a culture in which leadership, uh, you know, analogous to the Buena Casa, leadership is valued, leadership is seen as an integral part of our strategy, leadership is seen as something that will make us resilient and agile over the long term, or whether we're not going to make that investment. So it really is, as Luis would tell you, it's how you start the plant off in life. Uh, that's going to make the difference as to whether or not they're going to thrive over the long term. I think the same, analogously, the same thing is true for leadership. How that person starts off in their life in an organization is going to be the important variable here. If we don't start out on the right foot as leaders, we're not likely to be agile later on. Uh, I, to, the, the question, you ask an important question. Are leaders who are exemplary, more agile than those who are not. And our data suggests that they are. They are more agile, they are more resilient, they are better able to recover from failure than those who are not. Why? Because they look at failure, they look at experiences and changes in the environment as part of what leaders must deal with. Challenge is the opportunity for greatness. They have a very positive attitude about taking on new challenges. And so Building that exemplary leadership capability from the beginning will help them to be agile when necessary. When we look at this whole leadership, essentially when we say we are leading, that means somebody is following, which is the people who are being led. So while you did all this, uh, the different data points that you brought through your research, what is the, what does the research say about what do the people want for them to become the best they can be under the leaders? What are the attributes of a leader? Because that will become then the benchmark for any program that you will ever create to develop leaders. We've asked that very question from the beginning when Barry, and Barry Poser and I, my co-author for over 30 years now, we asked that, that, that question from the, from the very beginning of our research. We asked people, what do you look for in a leader, someone whose direction you would willingly follow. So we have now going on four decades of data. And what's consistent over that 
uh, that now 35-plus years of gathering information, gathering data, are four things. The first thing people want from a leader is honesty and integrity, and that's been the number one factor over all, all these decades. People want someone that they can trust. People want someone that tells them the truth. People want someone who has high integrity. The second thing that people look for in a leader is competence. They want the leader to know what they're doing. And when it comes to leadership ability, it's not just technical competence, but it's competence in, in leadership itself. They can demonstrate the practices of exemplary leadership, but they also know the strategy and they know the business. The, the third area in which people uh, expect a leader to be exemplary or they would willingly follow somebody is that they're forward-looking. They have a vision of the future. They, they have a sense of direction. They know where we're headed. They're clear about what we're trying to accomplish. And the fourth thing is that they're inspiring, upbeat, dynamic, and energetic. It's not the most important factor, but it is one of the top four. And uh, we've seen actually an increase in that, uh, that variable uh, more recently. People, I guess, you know, people want to see in their leader a certain amount of dynamism and energy and enthusiasm for the mission, for the vision, for the people, for the organization, for the brand. And when that's missing, they, they're not going not gonna to be as willing to follow. So there are four things that people most want in their leaders. Now, in some organizations, say that more oriented towards service and uh, you know, human service or type of organizations, uh, they might want some additional factors around uh, supportiveness, uh, caring, uh, whereas in other organizations, they may look for uh, someone who's straightforward, somebody who's, uh, uh, who, who is uh, cooperative. So it, some, of the, some of those other factors depend on the con- specific context, but overall they're four, honest, competent, forward-looking, and inspiring that people most look for in their leaders. And would you say that while they may change in the in the sequence, would you say that the 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 leadership which will actually, if built at organizational capability, and while the people who we are trying to have uh, be 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 the one who are going to choose this other leader, or the the in a in a way, what I'm saying is the competencies that you mentioned are they morphing? Are they changing? When you say it is fundamental, the world around us changed. Is there anything that you would change today to, to, to develop leadership as an organizational capability any differently than what you would have done 20 years ago because the end goal is the same four competencies in a way you're saying? It, those four qualities, the, 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 specific, excuse me, the specific competencies that I mentioned earlier around model, inspire, challenge, enable, and encourage uh, are informed by those characteristics. So, for example, model, it's about being honest and when, you know, because you're following through on your commitments. You're doing what you say you will do. Uh, when you're inspiring, you're being dynamic and you're, having a, uh, you're being forward-looking. You have a direction of the future. So those qualities, then one can derive certain specific skills and abilities from that that are de- one can develop. And those have been stable over time. Now, are there new things that people will need to learn going forward? One of them is really in an, it, it is that we know it's going to be more important to be empathetic in the future, for example. It's part of what we call enable others to act and strengthening individuals. It's part of building trust. Why empathy? Because we have a more diverse workplace. We have a global workplace. 
We have to understand people from different cultures in order to be effective in a global organization versus something that might have been more local 30, 40 years ago. So, yes, as we, as we see the world change, certain of these fundamentals will become more important and, and uh, we'll, we'll need to enhance those. But basically, I have to tell you, uh, over the now well, into our fourth decade of doing research together, the content of leadership has stayed relatively stable. The context of leadership is what has changed significantly. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Jim, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can start looking at leadership as an organizational capability and keep in mind that this is going to be an investment which they will uh, be required to make as they go ahead and try to be relevant and be profitable and be even having a sustained existence. So thank you so much again, Jim, for your expertise and your contribution here today. It's been my pleasure, Sanjog. Thank you for this opportunity. And listeners, hope you enjoyed it. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Network, and also please be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CIO Talk Network. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.